Hello, this is Courtney Given with Mindset for Medical Moms, episode 15, The Story of Your Life. Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, medical moms. How are you doing? Check in with yourself for a second. Ask yourself this. How are you really doing? Even just the acknowledgement of your emotions helps you process them. Did you know this? And as a quick reminder, the way you process and feel your feelings is by feeling them, not just thinking about them. So you name it, find where it is in your body, and then embrace it. That's it. It's very simple and something we often overcomplicate because feelings are uncomfortable. How am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling very determined and motivated right now. I've been really focused on my goals lately, and it feels really good to be committed to them. That doesn't mean I have some hard days. That doesn't mean that everything has been perfect or has gone easily. But my main focus has been commitment, which has helped me feel determined and motivated. And it's just awesome. Okay, today's episode, we are talking about your story. When I met people after high school, I went to tons of fun events and parties with my friends. And I was really interested in meeting a lot of people. And so I always would kind of ask them, hey, what's your story? I thought it was like a funny way to talk to guys. And I thought it was kind of clever to get to know someone. And I actually still ask this sometimes because it's just a fun way to hear what people say. Like, what do they think their story is? And what is it from their perspective? And I really love good conversations. Um, I kind of love to skip the small talk and just kind of go into the deep stuff. (laughs) that's why I'm a coach and I just get you on my coaching zoom and I'm like all right tell me about your life I love hearing about people's lives and the story of our life is a powerful one it can shape your identity and your identity motivates what you do and what you think about yourself about your life about what you're capable of and all of your actions your behavior gives you your results. I often think about losing weight or creating a habit of exercising or um, building a business. Like your individual actions every day, your small steps give you your results. Right now, building my coaching business, it's a lot of little things that can often be considered very menial and small. And yet those actions give us our results. And so if we want to take consistent action, we have to know what we believe about ourselves. And I personally had to do that with being a business owner, um, putting myself out there. And 
I had to correct a lot of the story I thought about myself. My money story, my story about being an entrepreneur, being a real coach, all of these things. And these general life stories really shape who we believe we are. And then there are layers to it. There are themes that you might think about yourself, general understandings of your life. There's the story of your child's diagnosis and what that means for you. There is a story about yourself and what you're good at and not good at, what comes easy to you and what maybe cannot happen for you. There's a story about your marriage. There is a story about what you believe about yourself as a mom. There's so many. (laughs) We could go in through all of the identities you have. And these narratives in our minds guide us. Okay. And sometimes they feel like facts. They feel objective. They feel like the truth. And there may be even a lot of evidence for them. You might even have people who would agree with you about these stories a story about who you are as a person, be like, oh yeah, that's totally true about you. But my job as your life coach is to challenge those stories. Not because they're bad, but I want you to be intentional about them, right? I want you to be conscious about the stories you believe. I want you to be aware of your own brain. So let's look at your general life story. If I met you and we skipped over the small talk (laughs) and I asked you, hey, what's your story? What would your response be? And again, let's pretend this conversation is just you telling me the whole version, the truthful version, not the sugar-coated version, Um, because I want you to be really honest with yourself about what you are telling yourself, okay? And I'm going to give you my example. And I have worked on my general life story for a long time, for years I've been editing it and creating more than one version um, because I realized the story I had lived with in the background of my mind was pretty sad and I didn't want to lead a sad life. <laughs> so it went something like this. My, my parents had kids and they were very irresponsible. They didn't love me and they did a lot of drugs and they had several addictions. We were so poor and we had nothing growing up. I went without a lot. My home wasn't stable. I left home at 14. I bounced around and lived with my friends. I lived with people from church until I moved out on my own. I got married and we had kids. And because I'm cursed, my daughter had a heart defect. Things tend to not work out for us because only a few short months after we moved to Hawaii to pursue our education, we had to move back to California for her to have open heart surgery. It was chaotic and hard. And after nine months, we were able to move back to Hawaii. Are you depressed yet? Okay, all jokes aside, this is a very simplified version of the story of me, but this was like really what I believed. Okay, I'm not even trying to be dramatic. It was actually way more dramatic and way more detailed. I thought I was unloved. I was unlucky. I was going to be cursed and constantly have really hard challenges in my life. Um... And some of the themes, those were several of the themes in my life, but even 
as I got older, I got new themes like money was hard. Things don't come easy to me. And my general life motto was that life is hard for me, right? And I was optimistic. So I always kind of could see the glass half full, but it didn't matter because I always still had, yeah, but life is hard in the background. And when I first started becoming aware of this narrative I had around my life, I wanted to try to change it and kind of loosen up the story a little bit. And it was hard. (laughs) It was, right? That's my life motto. It was hard. It was very challenging because I was kind of stuck to this idea. I'm like, no, this is the truth. Like, I had a hard life. My teenage years were hard. I got married and wanted to have kids and I thought I was creating this new life for myself and then I had a child with a severe life-threatening heart defect. And so I really struggled to be able to tell my story that felt authentic and served me better as a whole. And if your story, generally speaking, of who you are and your life helps you feel the best and serves you at your highest level then don't change it. But I have a feeling there might be ways you can tweak it, where you can make small shifts in the way you talk about your life that will help you. And like I said, it took several versions of me intentionally practicing how I would talk to myself about my life and my past, how I would talk to other people about myself and my past. And I had to watch myself. I had to watch myself and observe myself when I spoke to other people, when I questioned um, my past. I had to really watch myself and be on to myself. So here is my version now. Here's my current version of what I believe my life is. First of all, I decided I wanted to believe my parents did the best they could. And I really believe that now. Sometimes their best was actually very terrible and awful because sometimes their best was rooted in trauma. Okay, their best was traumatic, trauma responses. I also decided to believe that they loved me. They loved me a lot. And unfortunately, because of a lot of things in their lives, they didn't have tools or resources to help themselves. They struggled through the systems that were in place And they didn't have access to mental health options. They didn't have emotional health solutions for them. And they had addictions. That's a fact. And they made decisions that I still disagree with. I still disagree with a lot of the decisions they made. And yet I know they loved me. I believe that I can see their mistakes And still not believe that they are mistakes. And that my life wasn't a mistake. My childhood was unusual and challenging. It was hard. And I made it through something incredibly hard. I was scrappy and I found help. At 14 years old, I told my friend that I might not have a place to live. And I kind of don't even like believe that actually happened. I was scared and I found help at 14 years old. I'm a badass. 
Like, I spent so much time thinking that I was, like, this poor, sad little girl who no one wanted. And in reality, I was a freaking badass at 14 years old who knew how to take care of her own shit. I took a risk to live with people that I didn't even know. Right? I had babysat for them a few times. Other people I lived with, I didn't really know that well. And I saw that, like, good people exist in the world. Strangers who are willing to take in a 14-year-old that they don't even know either. Like, how incredible is a world that we live in that people like that exist? I lived on my own at 18, which was so fun, challenging, and taught me so much. Um, It was, like, the best experience to be out on my own at a really young age. I'm really grateful that I experienced that. I have learned so much through my life. And I feel like I have so much wisdom at a very young age. I feel like I'm an old soul in so many ways. Some things I learned were survival techniques. They were survival responses, right? I didn't necessarily need them forever, right? I, there's a lot of habits I've picked up that I no longer need that I'm unlearning about myself. Some things that I learned growing up through my experiences were very good, useful things that I can use now. I can hone in on the things that I did at 14 years old for 28-year-old Courtney. And when I got married and had kids, I had a child with a heart defect. And this was shocking and challenging too. But I already know how to do challenging things. I've been through challenges and so I know I can get through more. I have so much evidence for that. I believe now that I am tough and I'm strong and I am brave. Life can be really hard sometimes, but it's not that way all the time. Because even in the hospital, even on days that were extremely hard, I felt joy and gratitude. But most importantly, I feel in charge of my story. I know that I can change the narrative to my life at any moment. I don't feel like my life is happening to me anymore. I get to figure out what is happening for my life. I get to figure out what these, all these things in my life mean to me. And you can too. It might take some practice, but you can figure out a story of your life, of your child's diagnosis that works the best for you. And guess what? When I started changing my story, I started seeing proof that it was true. The more I practiced believing that my family loved me, the more I remembered details about my childhood that that made that true. I started believing on purpose that I was strong and brave at 14, and that part of me healed. I gave recognition to the 14-year-old that was so strong and brave for her. My inner child healed just a little bit by recognizing the things that she went through. And here's the thing. Either version can be true. I want the second version to be true because of the way it makes me feel. And it feels authentic to me. That's the most important part is that it really honors the hard things that I've done 
and it celebrates my accomplishments. And that's what I want for you too. I want you to create a version that feels true and authentic, celebrates your accomplishments, practices self-compassion when you've experienced trauma, and sees your joy. Not in a fake positivity way either, but in a way that really honors your journey. And you might kind of believe that it might be irresponsible <laughs> when I tell people this idea it might it feels irresponsible to believe that your life is good isn't it strange I felt that way too it's like we want a good life we want to be a good person and yet the moment we try to allow ourselves to believe that our brain is like wait 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 you still have a long way to go to believe that there we need x y and z to happen before we can believe that but it's not true. In fact, when you change your story and use your goodness as the baseline, go from there, you will be more confident and more loving and all the values that you want to practice just by believing in your story as you are good. That's like the, the first theme of your life. You are good. <laughs> And I like to especially apply this with motherhood. And here is my next layer, right? Motherhood, is, being a mom is a huge part of my identity. And my story with motherhood was a tough one too. Some that I'm still uncracking. I'm pretty new at motherhood. My oldest is only six. And I have basically thought I was like an average mom in most ways. I knew I loved my kids and I knew I was trying to be a good mom, but that was really only extended to like the logical part of myself because I could say like I wasn't abusing my kids and I'm not mistreating them. So at least I'm not bad, right? That was my baseline. At least I'm not a bad mom because I know my kids get fed and we love them. We When we say that we love them, I'm doing the things that at least I know they're not being mistreated. And I think most moms can say that. In fact, a lot of moms say that to me when they're on consults. They say, I know I'm not a bad mom, but believing that you are a good mom is a whole different thing. Isn't that so interesting? They are two separate beliefs. Saying that you're not a bad mom is way different than saying that you are a good mom. And the story of yourself as a mother is something that I think every woman should take a look at because there's so much internalized misogyny in the world that tells us so many things that are negative about being a mom. Here are some of the things that I believed about myself. I used to see myself as a hot mess all the time. Like I did not have anything together even when I did have it together, my brain would be like, well, you bought that last minute. You didn't plan ahead for their birthday party. You forgot this thing. I was impatient. I was too rushed. And I just wasn't quite there yet to be a really great mom. I especially didn't read enough books. That was like a really big thing for me in my brain. It was like, you need to be reading more books to your kids. And you don't read them hardly at all. I didn't play enough with my kids. I was way too impatient. I needed too many breaks from them. I saw so many parts of my personality as flaws. Like, yeah, you're 
you're not a bad mom, but all these personality parts of you don't really go into motherhood. You need to like brush those away and clean that up. Like water yourself down a little bit because your personality isn't good for motherhood. That was kind of the general idea I had about me as a mom. And if I could just like get it together, maybe, just maybe, I wouldn't traumatize my kids. And so, as you could probably guess, I realized that this story was perpetuating a lot of harmful things for me and for my kids. I was focused on all the things that I wasn't doing, that I could do better, and I was continuously shaming myself. I was not loving me and showing up the way I wanted to for my kids. And I felt like the need to apologize for my personality because in my brain it didn't mesh well with motherhood. And so the very first thing I did, which I think this can apply to all of our stories, is that I gave myself permission to be wrong. I asked myself often, what if I was wrong about what it meant to be a good mom? What if I did know how to be a good one? What if how I did things was a good mom? What if it's okay to not read books every day? That was a huge one for me. I got really curious about what it was important to me about being a good mom. Like, what did that really mean? What does being a good mom mean? And I realized that sometimes good moms don't play with their kids. Sometimes good moms don't read books every day. Sometimes the best I can do is feed them and turn on the TV. And that's a good mom. I focused on believing I was a good mom. That was the one number one belief I practiced. And I'm still practicing that. I still put that intentionally in my brain. Because sometimes my brain for the last several years has been habitually telling me I'm not. So I wanted to create that new baseline. Good mom. That was me. That's part of my new identity that I wanted to be. And something very interesting happened. When I gave myself permission to not read books with my kids... I actually found times that there, that I enjoyed it. Like there were actual times where I said, hey guys, let's read a book. <laughs> and that was like never happened before. And this is probably just in the last year or two. And it also gave me permission to not feel guilty. I very rarely feel mom guilt now because I've given myself permission to be the mom I want to be. Not the mom I think I should be, not the mom that, you know, my friends are, but the mom that I am, who does not read books every day, and I don't feel guilty about it. And so when my kids ask me to read more books, and I say no, I don't feel bad, because I've given myself permission to believe that I don't need to read books every day, and I don't need to read 10 books every day. I can read one. I can read two. I can give my kids a limit, and it's okay. I've allowed myself to have choices in motherhood. What we believe about ourselves matters. Can you see how like just small beliefs about your story of who you are as a mom impacts how you show up as a mom? It really matters, especially when our child has a diagnosis. And that's what I want to talk about last. What kind of story do you have about your child's diagnosis. 
what chi- what story do you have about your child in their life with their diagnosis? What story do you have about yourself as a medical mom? Sometimes we have a story that their life is going to be really hard. That your life is really hard because of their diagnosis. Do you feel really sorry for yourself? That your life is just too much. It's all too much for you. What narrative plays in the background when someone asks you about their diagnosis? Okay, you're not alone. And I'm not saying these questions with any judgment whatsoever. Because I know how it feels to be in that kind of story. I felt literally cursed. I thought, of course this is happening to me. Of course I have a child with a life-threatening problem. That is so appropriate for my life because I'm cursed. Nothing good can happen for me. That's how I felt when I got my child's diagnosis. I also felt ripped off. I'm like, what? I already went through a lot of hard things. Why do I have to go through more? I felt very entitled. I also was like, wait, I just wanted a child, a second child, and now I have this whole other life that I didn't sign up for. This is so unfair. But that was a very painful story for me. And while my pain is valid, my feelings through this process of having a child with hypoplastic left heart syndrome are completely valid, that doesn't mean I need to have a painful story. My pain is valid. I don't need a painful story. You don't need one either. Your feelings are always valid, but you don't have to have a painful story either. How you speak about these experience matters. The language you use without intentional thought impacts how you think about your story. And I'm going to share one of the biggest changes I've recently made in the last six months that was not only helping me process huge amounts of my feelings, but really took a real in-depth look at what I believed about Zola's life. And that regarded her birth. Her birth was very challenging for me. Her birth had a lot of deep feelings around it. And one part of my story was that she was taken away from me. And I remember retelling her story last year about how she was taken away from me after birth. And I've said this a hundred times at least. But the way I said it, it felt very heavy, literally in my mouth. The way I said it, it stuck out to me. And I wanted to revisit with how it made me feel, saying the words out loud that she was taken away from me. And so I got curious. And I asked myself how this made me feel when I said, when I would retell her birth story. And then she was taken away from me. And it made me feel hopeless. It made me feel weak and powerless in my own birth story. 
And when I got curious, I realized how much that part of my story about Zola needed to change. This one sentence was really taking away so much of my emotional power in her story, in her life. And I didn't want to feel this way. I didn't want to feel powerless or weak anymore. So again, I just started getting curious because you cannot judge yourself during these things. I know why I felt this way, but I wanted to understand if there were even other words that would describe how I felt. I wanted to stay very compassionate with my feelings and take care of them. And I started off by listing out the facts. What is the bare minimum of this story? What were the very basic facts? So here are the facts. Zola was born and placed on my chest for less than a minute, probably 30 to 45 seconds. The nurses took her to a little warming bed and started her on medication that she needed absolutely after birth, very quickly. Then she was placed in that hospital's NICU for a few hours, stabilized, and then she was taken in a carrier cart thing um, to my bedside where I got to see her briefly for about a minute or two. I rubbed her hand and then she was transferred to the children's hospital next door. Those are the facts. That was her birth. So when I asked myself how I wanted to feel about those facts, I was very gentle with myself. And when I retold the facts, a lot of feelings came up for me. I was sad. And I recognized how much I needed to grieve parts of her birth that I was ignoring. And so I let myself feel sad. And then I revisited her birth again and again. And I grieved and I felt sad. And simultaneously, I contemplated how I could think about her birth that didn't feel so powerless, that didn't feel so hopeless. Because when I thought about Zola, that's not what I wanted to think and feel. I did not want to feel powerless when I thought about the most strong girl I know. And I recognized the most basic thing that I hope all of you guys recognize too. It is so normal for me as a mother who had her baby swiftly moved to another area of the room feel so wrong. Of course it felt so wrong. Of course I felt powerless. Again, my feelings are so valid. But my thoughts weren't necessarily helpful, right? The thought that I was powerless and that she was taken away from me. And so I kept playing around with my story and I kept trying to edit it and find different versions of it. And I came to the conclusion that the words she was taken from me weren't wrong. Those were the best words for me to describe what happened because they were literal. She was quickly moved and or taken from my chest to a little warming bed in the room. And so I decided for this version that I'm currently in, I'm not going to change the words. But I would change how I felt about those words. She was taken from me for a reason, a really, really good reason. And I wasn't powerless because her being taken away from me was my choice. And I didn't have to make it this dramatic thing that she was taken from my arms. I didn't have to add all the extra drama behind it. 
I didn't have to feel like these doctors were taking away my child and they were the bad guys and that I was powerless. I was actually realizing that I was very vulnerable and I felt very scared. But I didn't have to feel powerless. Because when it came down to it, I wanted her to have the medication she needed right after birth. I wanted her to be transferred to the children's hospital. Do I wish things could have been different? Sure. But they are not. They weren't. There is no way for me to go and travel back into the past. I have no ability for a time machine. Someone, if you do have a time machine, please let me know. But I don't. I don't have a time machine. But I can change the way I think about my past. I can change the way how I think about Zola's birth. I don't gain any healing from wishing things were different. I also don't gain any good feelings from wishing things were different. I do get a lot of self-pity, which doesn't feel great in the long term. And so I decided... I didn't want to feel sorry for myself anymore. I wanted to feel proud of myself instead. I wanted to be compassionate for myself that I did that. I allowed doctors to transfer my baby without me. Because I was a brave and good mama. I sacrificed my comfort for my baby's life. And that was completely worth it. I would do it 10 times over for any of my kids. I am willing to look back at my birth and be vulnerable and uncomfortable. And I was willing to go through all of that because Zola was getting the help she needed. And that was the help I chose for her. Right? Nothing was happening to me because I was choosing that sequence of events post-birth. When she was diagnosed in utero, they gave me three options. To terminate the pregnancy, to do comfort care, where we could wait for Zola to live as long as she would naturally without any intervention, and then she would pass away, or we could elect for her to have surgery after birth, which would mean she would be taken from my arms and placed in a warming bed in the same room as me and then transferred to the NICU and then transferred to the children's hospital. We chose surgery. We could have chosen a different option, but we did not want those other options. We chose for her to be born, and I chose for her to be taken from my arms and placed in the warming bed and in the NICU where she could be given that medication she needed to keep staying alive. We could have chosen for her to remain in my arms and for her to live without those interventions, but I did not want that. I did not want her to stay in my arms. Of course I wanted her in my arms, but not really, right? Not truly. My higher self knew that she needed the medication. That was my choice. So part of me changing my story was taking responsibility for my choices. Owning my choices. And that allowed me to own my birth. It was not the birth I wanted, but it was the one my baby needed. And I was brave and strong, and so was Zola. We worked together through intense contractions, and she was born crying and was so beautiful. I got to touch her, 
and it was the gift I needed to keep going. Jeff followed her immediately and was with her the whole time after birth. Birth is an intense experience, both emotionally and physically, and I had to I had to rest requirement. I had to give my body what she needed for doing something so heroic and freaking pushing out an eight pound, eight ounce baby. And my body needed to rest, which mean, which means I had to be separated for a short time from my baby while I gained the strength before her surgery. And her birth just shows me how powerful I am, that I'm willing to do all of those things. It shows me how incredible medical moms are. It shows me how incredible you are. Yes, I'm speaking to you. If you're listening to this, I am speaking to you. You are incredible. You are powerful. Medical moms, you are in charge of your story. You are in charge of what you believe about yourself. Take some time right now, today, to practice these new versions of these stories and see what can change for you. See what where you can go from powerless to empowered to powerful. This is a real possibility for you. I promise you, you can change your story. I love each and every one of you. And I'm so, so appreciative of you all for listening to this podcast. I just appreciate all the feedback and all the love. And I hope you have a fantastic week. I'll see you next time. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Medical motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but I've created the next best thing. My one-on-one coaching program offers all the support and strategies you need to handle all the things that come up for us medical moms. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your free consultation to see how coaching can help you take everything from the podcast to the next level. You'll get free coaching and I'll take great care of you. I'll see you there.